0: Hi and welcome to the first edition of The Blind Argument. I am Ryan Honshutten and sitting next to me
1: is Davinia Lafroy.
0: Hi, welcome to The Blind Argument. This is where we're going to discuss and debate a few issues relating to vision impairment. Davinia, tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Okay. So I'm quite new to visibility. I'm the clinical psychologist here. Like Ryan, I'm a person with a vision impairment. And yeah, we just thought it would be a good idea to discuss a range of different issues with you all.
0: What's your level of vision like?
1: So I have a condition called stargut macular dystrophy. Um, However, some people call it cone rod dystrophy. So one of those conditions. I have about 7% of normal sight, just a bit of peripheral vision. Fantastic. What about you?
0: Well, I'm totally blind, have been pretty much uh, for 42 odd years or something like that. So I have no vision at all. And um, I work here as the youth support officer. So work with a lot of the young kids, help design the school holiday programs, run the school holiday programs, camps, lots of uh, talking and mentoring to the children and parents and that sort of thing, and lots of other jobs Lots yeah. of fun stuff.
1: Cool. Okay, so I guess Ryan and I we work together on some issues and with some clients, and also individually as well. Do you? What do you think the differences are, Ryan, between what you do and what I do?
0: I guess I would engage the clients, chat to them, and when I find out that um, you know they need some help in some counselling work or something like that. I will then transfer them over to you, hand them on to you. I guess okay. is what I like to see my part of my job as. Um, I can mentor up to a certain point, but when things start to get a bit deep and tricky, mm-hmm. and I feel that professionally I'm probably in over my head, I'll hand them on. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, because you've got the training, you've got the background.
1: Yeah, and you've got yeah. lots of lots of good experience as well. So yeah, I guess we work on things together. Um, but you know, outside of that, we actually just argue about a whole bunch of stuff, really, don't we, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I can't help putting it out there but I'm a germaphobe and you're not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg in yeah. terms of what Ryan and I, are friendly in a friendly manner, tend to disagree on. Um, so we thought it might be really helpful for us to talk about a bunch of different things with you all. And when we get to the end, we'll actually ask you guys to tell us what you actually want us to talk about or what you want us to debate. But maybe we should jump right into it now, Ryan, if you're all set and ready. Yeah, go
0: for it. I'll just take a sip of this water while you tell us what we're going to debate right.
1: about. Okay. So one of the things that we sometimes do hear from parents in particular is Um, They just don't know what kind of expectations they can have for their kid, whether whether we're talking about the little ones or even the teenagers. They don't really know, I guess, what kind of life they're going to have, and they don't really know if they should be asking the kids to step up and perform and do lots of things or if they maybe should be limiting what they do so that, yeah, the kid stays kind of comfortable. What do you think?
0: I think... Now, I've got to put it out there. I'm not a parent. I Mm -hmm. don't have a child um, or children. Um, I do have a lot of nieces and nephews, and I do work with a lot of children. But I believe that parents should have a high expectation for their children. And I think sometimes you need to possibly have higher expectations for your vision-impaired child than you do your normal children or children Mm -hmm. without a vision impairment or because the world out there, it's going to be harder for that child once they graduate from school and start moving into the workforce, employment and things like that. It's, it's going to be a harder battle for them to find a job and secure that uh, independence and their you know future living. Um, mm-hmm. So I think if you have higher expectations, they're going to be more ready for that transition when it comes to it, you know, when when they do sort of finally leave the nest and head off into the big, wide world and look for that scary employment and that Mm -hmm. scary, you know, living out of home and all that sort of thing. So, and I don't mean you've got to be mean to them and horrible and, you know, really push them, um, you know, because everybody's different. Everyone, you know, especially when you come to schooling and things like that, you know, not all of us have the same What's the word I'm looking for? You know capacity, uh, capacity yes, yeah, at school, <laughs> you know. So some of us can um you know, like myself, I school was very hard for me. I didn't do too well, but there's other blind and vision impaired people I know that, you know, are sitting with such higher marks and and you know, um so
1: mm. What kind of um expectations did your parents have for you growing up?
0: I think they always had very high expectations for me. I know that my mother always said that we bring Ryan up this way because we don't want him to be a burden on his brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. later in life. We want him to be able to look after himself, manage himself, and get through life independently.
1: Okay, so are you suggesting then that high expectations is going to lead to independence and capacity and some kind of resilience down the track?
0: I don't think it's going to be like that all the time because we are all different and nobody's the same. You can't just mould a totally blind or a blind child, vision impaired child and make them all look the same and feel the same and be the same. Mm, Um, We all have different characteristics and different personalities, but I, I think it is definitely a tool to have within your toolbox to make you, yes, more resilient and more independent and more employable later in life. I guess there's probably some vision impaired people out there whose parents have had high expectations that that haven't always, you know, been so successful. But
1: and That's when it gets really hard, isn't it? Because I think as a parent you don't want to set your child up for failure, but then you also don't want to hem them in so that they don't ever shoot for the stars. So I suppose it's a bit of a balance, isn't it? Yeah. What about you? Um, Look, in thinking of this, I don't know that my parents had kind of any expectations actually. I think they let me have my own expectation, and then were just very supportive with whatever I wanted to do. So they certainly never said that I had to be a rocket scientist and thankfully I never really wanted to be one. But I think if I had expressed any kind of desire, I think the support would have been there to help me to get there, to get out of space in that particular Mm. example. So I think, and look, for me, I think that was ideal. What about any clients, Ryan? Like, do you have any, obviously, we wouldn't share personal details, but do you have any experiences where you think expectations have been too low with specific kids and then therefore they haven't lived as full a life as perhaps they could have? I have
0: seen situations like that um, throughout my time. Um, And it comes from
1: care, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. From a lot of love and...
0: Oh look, and the parent does have a lot of love and um, has a lot of support, but they do. I find sometimes will do too much for the child, mm. which takes from that child's you know learning the the ability to be independent. You know, if the parent does everything um, for that child all the time um, mm. that's all the child's gonna know and when it comes to that big step of moving out of the home you know that's where they're going to struggle I mean mm. you know I look at it this way if you had someone come into your house every day and clean and cook for you for you know each day of the week now wouldn't that be just totally amazing mm-hmm. but could you imagine what would happen in two years time if I suddenly just stopped that from happening
1: mm.
0: how would you be for the first day?
1: Look, just in a mess and probably pretty overwhelmed. So, it's, I guess learning to do those things, although a vision impaired person will have to do them probably quite differently to the way that an, a normally sighted person would do it. Absolutely, they still have to find their way of doing stuff. So, perhaps, yeah, pushing kids a little bit to learn how to do those things domestically in this example is really helpful for their future. Yeah.
0: I think so. Mm. And for work as well, because if they're confident around the home and can confident, confidently take care of themselves, mm. I think I need to go get speech lessons. I think um, I do too, yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Something we agree on, finally.
0: Just for once. Um, yeah, it, it helps them, I guess, in the employment world to be more confident and more, you know, able. Mm.
1: What about with sport and stuff? I mean, I'm just guessing that somebody doesn't have Well not really guessing, probably from experience as well, who doesn't have great sight is more likely perhaps to get hurt or to stuff up or not to even be that good at at something that which might, you know, be easier if you had more sight. Do you think that they shouldn't do it or should they still just try and find a way?
0: Uh, look, I'm, I'm a big sports person. I love sport. I uh, look, I'm not fantastic at it. I'm not a winning gold medalist at you so know. There's um, a
1: bias here, then, you know. The, the,
0: but I do enjoy sport. Mm. And one of my biggest regrets is I didn't get involved in blind sports um, mm. earlier throughout my 20s and Why didn't 30s. Um, I just think moved in different circles, different mm. things. Um, you know, just didn't do it. And, and it's only been sort of later 30s and early 40s that I've moved into sport and mm. you know really enjoying it um, and having a lot of fun. But I think sport is also a big contributor to your building of confidence mm. and your your social connections, you know, and it's just the, your mental health as well um, mm. and, and your belonging as well. If, you, if you've got a reason to get up Saturday morning because you've got a sports team to go play in or take part in or something like that versus, you know, having nothing to do on a Saturday morning if you're just going to sit around the house in your room. And Now, this is going out to everybody. This is not just mm. blind, vision impaired or anybody with disability. This is for... The average person, you know, mm. it's, I think being a part of a sporting network is, it's integral to life. It really is, gives you a passion, gives you something to, to strive towards achieving. Um, you make good mates through, through there. You have a lot of fun, comradeship. It's, I think, sports important.
1: Yeah. So, not something to be scared of or to shy away.
0: No, yeah, um, and not and look, sports, not for everybody. There are mm. some people I know that wouldn't lift up a cricket bat or yeah. a soccer ball if they tried because it just it's just not them, you know. And sure, there are other activities out there that they should get involved in, and whether it's a sport or a hobby, I think is what you need to say. I guess
1: mm.
0: you know, um, find something. Yeah, you've got to belong to something.
1: And I guess my my opinion is that in childhood and in adolescence is actually the perfect time to be doing things that might really push you in your comfort zone. I think whilst you've got the support of your family and your parents there to catch you, it's actually, it's probably the best time to be, to be pushing a little bit in terms of what you think you're capable of and just doing that little tiny bit extra.
0: Do you think sport also helps when you're studying? We're talking about year 11, 12 here, university, that sort of thing. You know, you're buried in those books all the time. Um, You know, is it, is it nice to get out and
1: I actually think that you're more, I mean, you know, if your focus is study and getting good grades, I actually think you're you're probably more likely to do really well if you do take a break quite regularly and do a bit of exercise and do a bit of running around and then come back to it. It improves your focus, your intention, your mood. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I feel like Ryan and I should just add a little disclaimer here. We're both kind of a little bit sporty and a bit fanatical about exercise, so um, we do have a bit of a bias in that in that particular direction. But even if you don't really want to take it to any kind of higher intense level definitely getting out there which is a
0: bit strange for me because I do have this sort of little bit of padding at the front there so I don't know how Mm. I've got that um it's
1: lovely you've just made that like reverberate yeah (laughs) (laughs) just to make sure that everybody can really imagine imagine what um what Ryan's wearing around the middle yeah yeah
0: but uh yeah no I think sport is is quite um Quite integral. Um, yeah. So what's your belief then when it comes to, you know, when the parents are coaching or helping mentoring their children through school mm. and looking at the workforce and, and what might be around for that child? Mm. What's your your take on being honest, you know, like, for example, like mm. I, I would have loved to have been in the in the Navy. I, yeah. would, I would have given anything to be a, a Navy officer on a ship and out to sea for, you know, eight months of the year and that mm. sort of stuff. Now, my parents sort of set some realistic goals and things like that with me and said, look, mate, this, you know, as much as you'd love to do that, I don't mm. think that's going to be practical. Yeah. Um. Versus some parents that keep telling their child that, yes, they will do that
1: one day. Mm. Oh, look, I think... I think there's only a few things that are probably totally off limits um, for for a blind and vision impaired person. I think there's many, many more things that are really possible. I remember growing up, my brother, who's also vision impaired, he at one stage really wanted to be a pilot, and I do I do remember my mum saying, "Okay, so it's probably not going to be in your future, but then let's look at what interests you about that particular career." Okay, well, what could be similar to that? What could you find like that? So I guess if there is something that's just totally out of bounds, like that example, then maybe just find out why that why that appeals and use that as a start to explore other options. But definitely don't shut that down and just have no options left because that itself isn't realistic about what the options are out there for people with vision impairment.
0: But that's versus, I guess you know a parent that says all the time to that child, yes, you will be a good naval officer and you mm. are, will be spending all that time out at sea and you know and, and they avoid it the I guess the truth, you know. I mean I've come across this, you know, where this has been the case and, and do you think then it's harder for that vision impaired person to come to grips with,
1: yeah, their I do. choice yeah. later
0: in life uh, you know, when they realize?
1: Yeah, I do think that could make it a bit harder. I don't think it makes it um, insurmountable, but I do think that it's probably not the most helpful way of dealing with it. But then I guess you know, if that's the case as well, then that person goes out there and they get that pushback, and they've got to have the resilience to to find something else when when they get to that realization that that's probably not what they're going to do, but they could do something else. Great.
0: I kind of agree with you, but I kind of don't. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of. I, Ryan I,
1: hates <laughs> to agree with me. I,
0: I like to be more upfront, you know, <laughs> and just say, look, this is this is not in your league because I don't. I I really don't like setting people up to fail, you know. Yeah, but you can't forget
1: what people might get on the journey on their way there. So, yeah, they might not end up in that particular place, but perhaps on their journey they're actually going to find another place that they want to go and they'll have a little offshoot and they'll go a different direction. But they never would have gone there unless they had been taking that particular course. Being a sailor, you should know all about that.
0: Oh, (laughs) yes, rower. Um, (laughs) mm, My my parents always uh, said I was going to become a... Court reporter, or, uh, you know, oh. the person that writes down what happens in the courts. And I remember every time they said that, or I overheard them say it, I'd think, over my dead body, am I going <laughs> to ever do that? So, and I never did. Uh, I never followed up doing that. So, and
1: I'm glad I don't because I think I'd be so bored. Yeah. Um, it but, do, look, it doesn't fit, but look, maybe, maybe one day. But that's really interesting, isn't it, what you've just said where, you know, your parents had an idea for you mm. and you were like, no way, that's not going to happen. And I guess as a parent you've got to remember that as well. It's, you know, a lot of adolescents particularly, just in their very nature, if you say one thing, they're going to they're gonna kind of want to push that and they yeah, want to go the other direction. Mm. So, yeah, be careful what you suggest and what you say. Very true. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess we probably need to wrap it up pretty soon. And I hope that you enjoyed this little taster or tester of the sorts of things we might be talking about. What do you want to talk about and argue about next, Ryan?
0: Oh, I think I really love sinking my teeth into the topic of public transport.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. When
0: is it too early to ask your vision impaired child to start catching public transport on their own?
1: Okay, so this is actually a question that Ryan and I get a lot and it's something that sometimes we agree on and sometimes we argue about. So we thought we might have a little on-air discussion about that. So please tune in if that sounds like it would be interesting to you if you don't like that idea or if there's a bunch of other things you want to hear about, how can, how can you let us know to make sure that we cover it? If you jump
0: on the email and email info at visibility.com.au, so that's mm-hmm. I-N-F-O at visibility, visabilit au, address it to Davinia and Ryan or The Blind Argument, And uh, we'd love to discuss, debate any of your topics. And um, you might disagree with something that we've said today, but look, this is what we're here for. You
1: can argue Um, with us too. Yes,
0: we'd love to argue with you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nice to have you listening. Thank you.
0: Till next time.